Hey folks, it's me, Ben Hamlin, your dungeon master, game master, whatever, what have you, Crypt Keeper. Ooh, I like that one. Uh, before we get started on this one, I wanted to take a moment to thank everybody for their enthusiasm with which people have approached this show uh, since we've concluded chapter three and are rolling into chapter four. Uh, seeing the audience for this show grow has been a, a tremendous boost to Ezra, Maddie, Nick, and I. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, know that as, as thanks, basically we're going back and we're remastering and transcribing earlier chapters uh, so the show will sound a little more polished and a little more be a little more accessible for people in the future. We, we really appreciate uh, this show, we like making this show, and we are excited to continue to take it in this direction. We want to help onboard as more people into this show as we possibly can. On that note, um, I noticed that as we've been making this show, we've never really done a proper like plugs segment because we're such a narrative-focused show. And I just wanted to let people know that, hi, you can find me at Ben C. Hamlin on Twitter. You can find Maddie at Boy Vandals, Ezra at SS underscore Ophelia, and Nick at Buy underscore Rogues. You can check out all of us at infinitybreak.net, where you can check out Sneeple at the Movies, the film podcast that Ezra and Maddie do with their friend Helena, and Legends of Laia, the show that Maddie and I do with our dungeon master, Nick, from this show. I just wanted to give a shout out to the other shows that we are directly affiliated with um, and give you a chance to maybe jump on to those if that's something that you so wish. Anyway, once again, thank you so much for listening and thanks for helping us spread the word. We really do appreciate it. I will not delay you any further from the Church of the Open Mind. Something I can see coming out of that black hole through luminous disks. The eyes, it might be a face, might be almost oh, oh, heavens. Something wriggling out of the shadow like a gray snake. Now it's another one and another one and another one. They look like tentacles to me. Oh, yeah, I can see the thing's body. Now it's large, large as a bear. It like wet leather, but that face, it, it, ladies and gentlemen, it's indescribable. I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. It's so awful. The eyes are black and they gleam like a serpent. The mouth is a kind of V-shaped with saliva dripping from its rimless lips and seem to... power to tap into the human consciousness, to read the thoughts of others, tempting to say the least. But Saint and Alistair have both witnessed enough charlatans to know that not everything is what it seems, especially when they're performing for others, especially when they have something to sell. Still, the song and dance routine of Dr. Julian Springwood leaves some questions floating in the air, like how does he have access to department secrets? When we last left the two of you, you attempted to leave the tent show only for the door to essentially be sealed behind you. A very large man with some gnarly sick tattoos zipped down the front entrance of the tent and Dr. Julian Springwood promised that there was a greater show yet to come and specifically seemingly beckoned directly into your minds that the two of you stay. We... Resume focus exactly where you were left off in the back of this tent at the Roswell Mutual Information Exchange.
Yeah, I imagine that uh, Saith at least is shooting Alistair because the way that we described it is that Alistair got the ping, but somehow Saint heard it also partially in his brain, like it was something said to someone further away or by someone further away. Uh, so Saint is shooting Alistair. Look like, hey, what? <laughs> hey, man, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, you got like a ripple effect of that psychic communication. Right, right. It wasn't to me, but it was near me, which is alarming to receive in your brain. Yeah. Like when you've got a Bluetooth radio thing in your car and you drive near another car that has the same thing plugged in on the same station, you get some of their music. This is for the other people out there who have a Bluetooth radio thing in their car. <laughs> but more importantly, as more it, importantly, I'm stalling because, <laughs> because Alistair's panicking. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, if Alistair's panicking and like looks no. like he is, does he look visibly panicking? I mean, no. I think he's more put together than that. I, but I assume think he's so. Yeah. I was going to say I assume he's gone carefully blank, which Saint is reading as, ah, uh, he's panicking. <laughs> that, that's completely fair. Yeah, so I would like to, if you'll allow, unless you'd like to do something else, I would like to kind of just take him by the elbow and just pull him over towards... I don't think I'm going to put us in a chair. I think I want us near the door so we can dip when convenient. Uh, but I'll at least kind of pull us back towards, like, a crowd. Okay, there's other yeah, people that's... hanging out in the back. That's totally fair. I will say that there's nothing really... I know the door is shut, but there's nothing, like, preventing you from leaving... You could still, like, duck under... You know when, like, a tent is pulled kind of taut and there's still, like... It's still, like, up above the ground a little bit? Yeah, you I know, mean, if you really wanted if... to fucking scooch... Yeah, you, you could We could rip the zipper open or... if we wanted to. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, I don't think Sade wants to. I think Sade's like, hey, there's something going on and I want to know what it is. Yeah. I want to be clear that you're not padlocked in here. Yes, that's no, fair. We are not... We're not. We're not once again at in. the mercy of neither of us having lock picking. No, no. Ben's like, you know what this has? Zippers that does not require a lock picking check. No. Um, I mean, as far as this guy, if this guy is the real deal, like Alistair's been made. Running isn't going to undo that. But causing a scene is going to attract more attention. And he his sort of, he's always in like, his first instinct is don't draw attention. <coughs> so yeah, I, th I think he'll let, I think, yeah, he'll let Saint kind of steer him. And then once they kind of get back to a little bit of a crowd, I think he kind of like shakes, just very subtly kind of like shakes it off. And it's back to his usual sort of I'm very observant vibe. Okay. Uh, Saint, how about you? I mean, I'm there. I Sorry, that was a moment of like, I mean, I don't know what else I need to add to to this. I No, you're valid. Actually, I think, I think Alistair, like, shakes it off and then looks at Saint with kind of a, like, searching, just trying to get any indication whether or not, like, is Saint freaking out too... Like, subtle, I, uh, subtle, like, head tilt of, like, question. Yeah, to, uh, I, 
because he doesn't know that I heard that, right? Yeah, that I that's, have reasonably yeah. assumed that Alistair heard that. So, so Saint just gives him kind of a subtle little like nod, like, yeah, um, and then like head jerk back to the the stage, like let's let's listen in. But no, Saint doesn't look like he's freaking out. I think he's like. Not my government secrets. <laughs> also, like, I think maybe not his his first telepathic rodeo. Um, That's fair. Not often, and not something he can do, but, you know, has seen some weird shit. Reasonable expectation that, you know, ghosts occasionally can do that kind of thing. Or even, maybe. like, has known other, other people things. who work in the industry who could do similar things to that. Not That's maybe, fair. like, full telepathy, but, like, you know, something along the lines, um, you know, the, yeah. the inexplicable in ways that are, like, not quantifiable, which is very similar to our tagline, um, is, like, I think maybe slightly more his speed than Alistair's speed. And also, once again, not my government secrets. Yeah, no, that's that's not not my secret government agency, not my monkey. Yeah, I have I I have no secret identity that I am hiding. Anyway, so we're at the back of the tent. Yeah, we're we're at the back of the tent. Um, uh, Alistair's blue screening a little bit still. Uh, Saints like, here. all right, let's see how where this. <laughs> yeah, let's see where this drain's going. Yeah. Um, can I just look around and see if anybody else has, like, been startled by anything in the last five minutes? Oh, the the other... Yeah, you know, since uh, Galadriel's speaking to all of our minds at once or whatever. Sure. Just, just wanna, just wanna have a quick, a quick notice around... This makes you Boromir in this situation, I assume, and I think it makes me Frodo. Yes. Um, yeah, you know what? That's a that's a fair point. Uh, obviously, you saw um, Agent Rose kind of dip out of the room. Sure did. <laughs> Something from her mind reached the public uh, that the public was not meant to hear, and so she thought it was in the best interest of herself and her employers, that's your employers as well, to dip the fuck out, and she has done so. I'm going to say that, you know, th th this is certainly causing, like, alarm for people, uh, but, you know, you are quite literally in the middle of a skeptics meeting. Fair. Not the people in this tent, necessarily, but, like... In general. The, the whole convention, as it were. I'm trying to think... No, I don't think anybody else is as alarmed as you two are. Oh, exciting. Whether that's... Whether that's because their communication was expected or because they're not being communicated with. Smashing. Listeners, Ben is Ben is squinting at me smugly. It's very fun. <laughs> uh, Dr. Julian Springwood uh, is kind of walking uh, up and down the aisle. He is doing so as like a, as like a gesture of routine. He is not coming for you. Uh, he is not marching toward you like the Terminator. But the ring of lights that was kind of creating that halo effect from above has certainly dimmed uh, in a way that it is it is still creating like a purple light, but it's like a distinctly darker purple, almost like the lights of a, a theater 
uh, going dim before the future presentation. Uh, but he's, you know, he's kind of scouring the crowds. He's continuing off of his uh, of his speech of the ideas that he was trying to to put forth earlier. And you can see that there are some people coming out from people in those cloaks coming out from one of the back rooms with these those kind of like uh, roller easels. I guess more like one okay. of those like whiteboards that you would see in a classroom. And he's, you know, he's, he's walking back and forth. The lights have dimmed a bit. And he's like, can I get a volunteer to explain what I mean? No. I think um, under the guise of sort of like, you know, like a friendly, like, elbow, you know, like nudging your friend with, the, uh, with an elbow and leaning in. So Alistair kind of nudges, nudges Saint, uh, like, enthusiastically, but, you know, the way that you're trying to, like, do it without drawing too much attention and, like, leans in and whispers. We need to get a read on how dangerous he is. And my secrets would potentially pose a risk to anyone who heard them. So you want me to volunteer? You have... I, of anybody in this room, you're probably the best bet for getting an accurate read on... You know, you'll stay analytical about it. Okay. Okay. We're going to have a conversation about this later. Uh, And Saint will put his hand up. Yeah, sure. Dr. Julian Springwood points directly at you. He swivels his body and snaps his finger as he extends his hand outward and goes, that's what I like to hear. Come on up. I do. As the crowd claps as you walk toward the altar. Oh my God, I'm getting married. (laughs) Uh, Saint walks up to the altar where Dr. Julian Springwood is already making his way back. The robed assistants have these kind of large stretches of butcher paper that they are clamping to the top of the kind of mobile whiteboards. You would think they would just draw on the whiteboards. No, why not be more wasteful? Exactly. And as they kind of roll down, as they're, like, flattened out, you can see these, like, very heavy line art. Very dark, very bold strokes, almost like it was, uh, like, like Japanese kanji shapes. Somewhere between kanji and a, uh, like, a Rorschach test are these kind of, like, hieroglyphic shapes. There's two on each side of the altar, uh, so kind of four in total forming a U-shape with the altar. And Dr. Springwood is making sure that the one of the easels is not in any way blocking the stack of books you can buy. Of course. That's just bad, That's just bad marketing. Claro. Mm-hmm. Dr. Dr. Springwood, when you get to the altar, he kind of gestures over toward you and says, Can I get your name, young man? 
Saint. Saint, good to meet you. I'm not going to ask you a ton of details about yourself right away, but but where are you from, young man? I am from Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Home of the Austin City Limits, is that correct? And uh, the Alamo. No, no, that's a that's a different town, different town. Uh, he's turning up the, the schmaltz a little bit. How could I forget? How could I forget the Alamo? Turns back to the audience. That's the one thing you're not supposed to do, folks. Saint, do you mind if I take a moment to really look into yourself and look into your mind? With That's why I'm up here. All right. Sounds good. I, you know, I have to ask before we do one of these readings. I want to make sure the person feels comfortable with what's about to happen. Sure. Now, you, no, no dark secrets you don't want to share with the, with the family here. He gestures once again to the audience. Not as far as I'm aware, but I guess we'll find out, won't we? I guess we'll find out. Saint, Saint, what do you do for a living? I'm an exorcist. Oh. You know, I've been called in once or twice to deal with a ghost myself. What a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is the place to find him. When you study like I have, when you've sort of expanded your perception of what's real and what's possible, you begin to kind of uh, filter out of the gray area uh, hovering around our world between the scientific and quantifiable and it is there uh, that you can really begin to see that we are not truly alone in this universe do you think we're alone that depends on your definition oh i mean if you're an exorcist surely you've seen a ghost right right but the often when people use that phrase they're speaking about uh extraterrestrial life and i think that's when things could get a little bit complicated but uh no i mean obviously i believe in spirits it's my bread and butter it's what i do well perhaps these are limiting ways of thinking what's on earth what's out there among the stars i don't know if we're surrounded by extraterrestrials does everyone remember et phone home (laughs) (laughs) yes i'm a child of the 90s i remember et But these are limiting categories that we put ourselves in. What's out there, what's down here, what's dead, what's alive, what's past, what's present. For all we know, there's all sorts of life we have yet to even discover. Well, some of us have discovered it. Angels, demons, aliens, ghosts, whatever you want to call it. But it only takes a, a tuned mind to be able to truly see past our limited reality. Don't you agree, Saint? Oh, I hate this man so much. Saint so disagrees with his fucking spiel. I uh, can I be honest? Uh, sure, sure. I'm a bug family here, so I imagine I can be honest, right? Everyone's everyone feels free to speak their mind here. There are no wrong answers to the truth of the universe. Sure. I feel kind of uncomfortable being looped into your sales pitch, so I would love if we could move on to the actual point of this event. Of course, of course, of course. Not everyone's a believer at first. I completely understand. One of his assistants, the gentleman with the the arm tattoos, sets down what kind of looks like a director's chair. One of those kind of uh, scissored wood chairs with like a a black canvas backing and a black canvas seat. He's like, would you mind having a seat for me? saint not at all i have a seat thank you he sits in a chair of his own could i have your hand sure i will extend my uh 
I'm actually going to think about this one. I will extend my left hand. Saint is not left-handed. Sure. Springwood kind of presses down on your palm. Let's see. Let's see what I can find out about you, Saint. Let's see. I'm smelling... It's like a... It's a, it's a powerful... Please don't take this the wrong way, but I'm smelling a powerful scent out of your mind. Sort of a... Kind of a, a petrol chemical... Sort of... You spent a lot of time on the road, Saint... Yes, sir. Uh, it's more than that. It's more than that. You you wouldn't be a... Oh, well, no, you said you're an exorcist. There's no chance you're a trucker or a... Or, or you have any experience with a garage, a mechanic? I do, actually. I uh, I am also a mechanic. Ah, uh, that's... That, that oil smell, it's so distinct, isn't it? It's hard to get that out of... You know, you never want to spill any of that. Let's see, let's see. That's, that's something. I, I'm getting... So tell me, tell me, you, uh, you, you worked as a, worked as a mechanic, worked near a garage, lived near a garage, your father, perhaps? Anything? Am I, am I getting close? Oh, you little motherfucker. Uh, no, my father was not a mechanic. That's something I picked up on my own. Self-made man, I can admire that quite a bit. Uh, Saint, I was and I remain the same way. And my father tried to push me into a career that I, I was barely interested in and I forged my own path ahead, and I, I admire that in people, and I admire that in you. Do you have any moments in your past that you wish you had more control over? Any, any, anything about you now that you wish you had more control over? These, these little limiting factors in our lives that prevent us from reaching our true potential. Not enough money, not enough time, a bad experience once. Uh, perhaps, perhaps we need new friends, new contacts, a new job. Any number of things. Is there anything you feel is really holding you back at this stage in your life? Uh, actually, not, not really. Hmm. Anything in the past that you wish you could change, Mr. Garcia Flores? No. Oh. Hold on. Uh, sorry. I don't believe I told you my last name. Oh, no, you, you must have. You introduced St. Garcia Flores from Austin, Texas. That's right. Sure. Uh, but no, to answer your question, uh, not, not really. I uh, have tried anyway to always do the best i could and i think even if i could give it another shot you know there was nothing i could do more than my best so no admirable deeply admirable to truly want to do your best to experience the best form of the self i i i can't i certainly can't knock any person for trying that i'm i'm sensing i'm sensing a lot of music in your life saint is that correct mm-hmm Lot of, that lot is of true. Music. Did you ever play in a band? Is that it? <laughs> no, no. Um, a lot of singing growing up, and I've brought that into my work in interesting ways. A lot of singing. You're not a rock and roller, though. No, no, I wouldn't consider myself that. A lot of, lot of singing. I hear, I hear a lot of music. I hear a lot of music, kind of pneumatic sounds, drills. I hear a lot of a revving, a sort of a like an engine. An engine. A mo motorcycle, perhaps? Mm-hmm. That is my primary mode of transportation. I'm certainly getting a good picture of you, Saint. 
I thank you for, sure. for sharing yourself so openly here in this experiment. Tell me, I want you to look at these symbols, these symbols up here on, on the walls that my assistants have, have illustrated for you today. And uh, if you look at them, Maddie, Saint, are we speaking to Saint now? <laughs> Saint in the room with us? Saint in the room with us. There are four symbols. One of them is kind of a a cylinder. Once again, these are these are very simplistic line work. These are not like overly complicated. They are at their most complicated kanji. But one's kind of a cylinder that's like pointing upwards. It's a it's vertical, and then it's kind of like branching outward at the top. Like it looks like it's almost kind of fanning outward. It almost kind of looks like a bouquet in a vase. One very much looks like it could be a person. Uh, but it's like, it's a stick figure, but its arms are almost too long. Its arms are like touching the ground in the same way that its legs are. Uh, so it's like almost fully rooted into the ground. Another is a uh, single horizontal line uh, that kind of dips down in the center and has a, a circle, like a little loop at the base, almost like a, like gravity pulling down at the sheet. And the final one is an upward triangle with six points kind of ascending the sides almost like trees on the on a mountain slope uh like how you would draw that on an old map uh and there's a circle in the center of that uh, triangle could you do me a favor could you look at these symbols now feel free to move your chair a little bit if it helps or stand up and walk around could, could you look at these symbols and tell me if any of them really speak to you i want to to feel and think clear think you don't need to talk out loud but you think clear thoughts i want to hear what you're thinking saying and just whatever whatever you feel if, if you feel some sort of complex thought like a like a, if you've ever tried to crack a safe if you, if you feel the tumblers in the back of your mind uh, just shift into place, just just think it clearly, and I want to hear it. Okay, I think it. Cool. Well, I mean, you can also tell me what, what you're thinking a little bit. Oh, yes, yes, I'm sorry. Uh, I say to thinking about the stick figure, the, like, rooted, grounded stick figure. That's the one that leaps out to him first. Ah, yes, yes. I, I see you're looking at the, the symbol that me and my, my colleagues call the Rooted Man. A, a stick figure that seems to be very grounded, very central, very, very kind of fixed in place. We think this means, or sorry, we believe it means that it's someone who is tied to their own memories, to the past, to their community, kind of immobile, you might say. Does this does this resonate with you, Saint? I wouldn't necessarily consider myself immobile, but tied tied to where I come from. Sure, yeah, that's very important to me. Sure, sure, good. I'm glad. Someone should always be connected with the community. It feels like we're more and more isolated these days. And that connection is important, something to hold on to. It's not wrong to be rooted it's when you're rooted in place that that can be a problem you feel immobile you feel stuck feel like other people's burdens are on you like you're like atlas cursed to hold up the earth forever that maybe other people's burdens are on you and you don't always have the freedom to to move around like you like you might want to there's a balance that everyone must find between mobility and 
stagnation, for lack of a better word. Aren't you tired of always feeling that you can't help people at the right time? Of feeling late? You work in exorcisms, don't you? That is correct. That's not always... To speak flippantly, those people sometimes could have received help help a lot sooner, couldn't they? Yeah, yes, that is a downside that comes with the job, is you tend to be the person that people call last. Of course, but I can feel there's something something so good-natured about you, Saint. You, you have such a strong desire to help, I can feel it reverberating out here the kind of organ music of the uh, of the Casio keyboard uh, goes up in volume and intensity, and a couple of the other uh, robot followers of Dr. Springwood are, are kind of like similarly like rattling a bit as if to express the intensity of your your <laughs> of your emotions. It's showmanship, surely. Sure, sure. I can feel your desire to help people, Saint. It's very strong, and I appreciate what you do. But you don't you don't always feel like you have the right tools for each puzzle. You don't always feel like you don't always feel like you've arrived on time. Does that resonate with you, Saint? Yeah, sure. Like I said, that is something that I think unfortunately does come with the job. But yes. Yes, sometimes you just Sometimes there's not much you can do. You're kind of uh, like an ambulance driver in that way. Of course, of course, I understand completely. Which is why we here at the Church of the Open Mind try to think of such a proactive way of helping people. Proactive before it's too late. For ourselves, for the people around us, for the people in our past. For people like... Saint, I'm, I'm hearing a name rattling around in that big mind of yours. Who's Anna? Saint sits up uh, kind of abruptly in his chair. That's a, that's a great question. She's a friend. A friend you've... A friend you've had an encounter with, right? Uh, a friend you've helped? I'm hearing... I'm hearing... Saint, I'm hearing a like a heart monitor. She wasn't sick, was she? No, she wasn't. The organist is, uh, by once again, I mean a person on an electronic Casio keyboard. But organist is an evocative phrase. Uh, the organist is kind of uh, mimicking a heart monitor, a heart rate monitor uh, sound with the keys. No, that he's he is suddenly very terse, and he is not going with the bit anymore, which I think would be uh, notable to Alistair for somebody who is normally very honest and forthcoming. That he is like, no, she wasn't sick. End of sentence. Okay. Yep. Then with that, I'm gonna say that Alistair can kind of, while Alistair I imagine is pretty transfixed on what's happening on stage, he's still maybe toward the back of the tent. Is that right? Yeah, I think, I I think we uh kind of, 
I think Saint was kind of like, all right, middle back, middle back. Okay. You know, we're not like pressed up against the edge of the tent, but... Well, because it's so dim in there, you can absolutely feel the... Uh, you can feel the light kind of returning back to the back of the room as the zipped uh, shut doors of the tent are reopened. Uh, there are two individuals at the back of the tent, one of which is Agent Oliver Coy, your uh, comrade at work, uh, who kind of quickly hustles up to you, taps you on the back of the shoulder, and says, We need to get out of here. Uh, oh shit, okay. Um... Yeah, ditch me, King. Are you gonna are you gonna dip on me, or are you gonna stick around to hear Saint lore? Or are you gonna take oh, Saint with you? I want. Or you gonna... I know it's like okay. Let me because you can tell that I'm not happy out. up there. So yeah, but um, that would also mean going up to your buddies and being like, "By the way, I gotta go get a guy." <laughs> Saint, yeah, you're like, okay, cream. hang on, I gotta. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta collect my, I gotta collect my exorcist. Um, it's like, oh, oh, you gotta collect your exorcist, huh? Huh, Alistair? He's not my exorcist. He's an exorcist. He's not my exorcist. <laughs> mom. <laughs> Agent Gray just like, okay, so yeah. Stop calling me mom. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. I think Alistair, A, respects him enough, and B, is going to take a chance on Agent Coy feeling like he owes Alistair a little bit for rescuing him. And when he says, he says, you know, we've got to get out of here, um, I think he, I think he, he purposefully doesn't look and Agent Coy doesn't acknowledge him. And very quietly, it's like, he... I almost said he's already clocked me, but then my brain was like, that means something different. <laughs> um, that's kind of, I think he says, he's already picked me out of the crowd. But I have a chance. I think he's the real deal, and I have a chance if I stay at getting an idea of what exactly he's doing. What you've just been listening to was Parascience, a glimpse into a world unknown. It was an actual play horror adventure told to you through the Fate system. Our players are Ezra Kay as Agent Alistair McAndrews, and Manny Trumbo Gomes as capable young man St. Garcia Flores. As for myself, I was your game master and disembodied voice, Ben Hamlin. I also produced this show. Our theme song is by the incorporeal Johnny Ronaldo, and our logo was created by the haunted visage of Tara Bossart. We are currently in the process of remastering and transcribing earlier episodes of the show, and for that I would like to thank Glory Dudoff, Marcel Hood, and Julie Cooper as they write down our every word and weave an intricate web of audio for you. 
You can stay tuned to our social media channels for more information on these developments. This show is brought to you by Infinity Break, where we're telling stories our own way. You can follow us on social media at InfinityBreak23 and check out our website for all of our other podcasts at infinitybreak.net. We appreciate you listening to this program. If you want to help spread the word, there are good many ways to do that. Word of mouth helps us immensely, and you can add us at ParasciencePod on Twitter. And while you're at it, why not tag InfinityBreak23? We have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash infinitybreak where you can start donating to Infinity Break for as little as $1 a month. And if you listen to Apple Podcasts, don't forget to leave a review. That's all for now. Let Parascience expand your way of thinking and offer you 10 easy steps to becoming a telepath at home. We'll see you in two weeks' time.